We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we're going to try and keep this podcast under two and a half hours just for you. No, that's a, that's an inside joke. Um, we're doing a pod for the first time in a couple of weeks, so we've got some stuff to catch up on with Trey Lance, with some playoff probability uh, odds that came out that I want to dive into, and then the Warriors and Kings are playing in a playoff series, and we're going to talk about that. Well, let's dive in. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Trying to beat the heat for the first time all year. This Dude, is big time. This is big time. The uh, the air conditioning came on for the first time in 2023 yesterday, Masters Sunday. It was a phenomenal Sunday at the household. We uh, we barbecued some burgers. Um, we watched a little bit of golf, and uh, and I followed along the the end of the NBA season. I have been way out of commission when it comes to the NFL stuff recently because I've been neck deep in Sacramento Kings stuff for the newspaper. And uh, admittedly, I haven't been grinding the tape as much as I would like to, but we're diving. We're starting to dive back in because we do have a little bit of time between now and the start of the Kings Warriors series. So I promise by the time we record later this week, I will have some red hot smoking draft takes for a team that doesn't have picks in the first or second round. You were starting to float some before the pod, and I can't wait to hear you workshop those. Yeah, just like you know, really, really deep, in-depth uh, thoughts, th- you know, trends from, from 30 visits, formerly known as top 30 visits. Um, <laughs> I, went to, I went to a pro day a couple weeks ago at Sacramento State, Marte mm-hmm. Mapu, apparently uh, somebody the 49ers have taken somewhat uh, a level of interest in, at least enough to invite him to the facility 
It's a workout. Is Marte Mapu, is Marte Mapu a gold helmet guy? I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. You so that honestly, when I'm like when I'm looking doing the dive, and when I say doing the dive, I'm reading <laughs> I'm reading the beast and PFF's uh draft guide and going through YouTube and Google Who searching and looking at athlete profiles. I think the best way to find which guys the 49ers might be interested is like finding the quote unquote gold helmet guys. And I know we've talked a little bit about it before, but it's like, it's the team captains. It's the tone setters, the guys who are sort of the, um, the, the team leaders, the high character guys who, you know, are like all about football, right? Like the, the, the Trent Williams, the Fred Warner's, the George Kittle types, the Nick Bosa types, right? The guys Talano who Hufanga, Talano, Hufanga, like guys who just like live and breathe football. Um, I think the 49ers have found and the, and the reason why they've been successful in large part, I think in like the later rounds of the draft is because those are the guys they identify. They don't I, they don't really go after like, OK, this guy has a lot of traits, but like he hates football or like he's, <laughs> he's not like committed to becoming great or committing to, um, you know, trying to be a winning player. He's just like a guy who wants to make some money in the league and, you know, hopefully can can cash out a little bit and make make a name for himself, et cetera, et cetera. But like the gold helmet guys are the the guys that regardless of where they're drafted, you envision like, okay, this guy can be a team captain, not only a good player for us, but somebody who is going to be committed to helping the program inside the building. And so that's like, again, you look at like their late round picks that the 49ers have had success with. I think the common trait among that is like those like elite character guys. And I think Mm -hmm. that's ultimately what's made the 49ers contention over these last few years so sustainable is that like yeah you want talented dudes of course but like you know when George Kittle was coming out it was more like okay his personality very team first guy um, really hard worker like maybe the production wasn't there maybe all the traits aren't there I know George Kittle is faster um, and more athletic than maybe he played at Iowa which was very run heavy and you know obviously didn't catch a lot of passes and all that but like those, the traits are more about character. So like when I'm doing these dives, I'm trying to find the potential gold helmet guys more so than like, oh, this guy's, this guy's, you know, arms are, are within the 32 inch threshold. Right. Like that's, that to me is, is sort of like, there the, are obviously on the field things that you look at, but to me, it's more like background. Like who are you willing to bet on as a human being to be in a high high intensity, high leverage environment, and who's going to excel even beyond whatever they do on tape. That's why I think Mapu's a gold helmet guy. He might be. Stuck around for his extra year of eligibility. He got a degree in sociology. He's now pursuing a second degree in kinesiology. And the coaching staff called him, quote unquote, the silent assassin for his humble personality. This is from Dan Brugler in, in, in The Beast, The Athletics Draft Guide. For his humble personality, but violent play, rarely came off the field as a senior playing defense and special teams. Like, that kind of guy just reeks of a player that the 49ers would really like. Yeah, and, like, he's he's somebody, you know, I think Brugler has him as a mid-round pick. Yeah. He's somebody that, like, if the Niners grabbed him in round five, particularly after the the torn peck, 
that he suffered in early February. Um, like that would make a ton of sense. He's he said he's expected to be ready, fully cleared in time for training camp. So maybe the injury knocks him down a round or two. But if it's like, you know, like like Sam Womack, right? Team captain, highly productive, small school. Yeah. But like, yeah, round five. And you probably feel pretty good about that pick because he played a lot of football, team captain, leadership type. And and that's what Mapu is. And what's interesting to me about him sort of between the lines is that he played a lot of like slot defender, like sort of a hybrid linebacker safety. And that essentially was what Fred Warner played at BYU. Now, I'm not saying Marte Mapu is is anywhere near Fred Warner, but in terms of translating his game to the next level, when you talk about size, athleticism, versatility, somebody who can play near the the, the the defensive or in the in the front seven, like he could be a hybrid linebacker safety type, or just like a That's, coverage linebacker. Maybe he's like two hundred and twenty pounds, and and I think yeah. Fred Warner is what two twenty five. You know, so like he's he's listed as a safety in Brugler's, um, Brugler's draft guide. I think NFL people are probably split on him, but that like doesn't really matter today because I think you know if you can cover tight ends and you can play the run. Like that's really valuable. So I think he he's somebody to maybe keep an eye on with one of those mid round picks that they have. Fred Warner listed at two thirty. Do you want to retract what you just said? <laughs> well, I think when Fred Warner came <laughs> in, he wasn't quite two thirty. No, I, I I doubt that. Um, yeah, that's kind of what when when trying to research like who the Niners might take. Like at ninety nine, it's just impossible. Yeah, to glean like who will be there, who won't be there. So it's just kind of kind of guessing. Like, right, and are they guy. trading up? Are they packaging any of these third-round surplus picks that they have to go into round two? Right. So and we'll, we'll do we'll do pods all about this stuff in the coming weeks, but it's yeah, just been a little d- difficult. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into all that. We'll dive in. I think we're going to do like, a, like an offense-defense type of look and just trying to kind of get our arms around what the hell the 49ers are going to do and how they might go about it. They have 11 picks all between 99 and the end of the draft. So we will, uh, we will continue to assess and dive in and grind in ways that we have not, uh, not been able to, at least you have not been able to. I did a like full blown first round deep dive because of some stuff I'm, I'm doing with, with touchdown wire. Sure. And man, that was an adventure because I had done nothing on the first round. So, yeah, draft prep, shout out. Can't wait to get into uh, to some Niners draft stuff. But some of the stuff you missed last week because you weren't here, uh, I want to get into with you because we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Let's start with the, the Trey Lance video that came out of him making a throw in slow motion at a workout with Patrick Mahomes. He's been training with Patrick Mahomes down in Texas. And, boy, that throw really took over the internet. <laughs> Holy smokes. There were like arguments about it. Right. People got angry. Right. I just, dude, the takeaway for me is, and you've now watched it. The takeaway for me is, hey, he's on his feet. Like he's moving. Great. That's yeah, like, the extent of the, the takeaways for me. Like, is this release quicker? Maybe. I don't I don't know. Show me what he does with the defense in front of him. Yeah, I I think any quarterback workout in April, particularly a doctored video, should be taken with the smallest grain of salt possible. Mm-hmm. Like 
cut a grain of salt into 20 pieces and take one of those pieces. And that's, that's how serious <laughs> or how much I would really consider a, a workout video of Trey Lance throwing footballs. I mean, look, we've seen this from Trey Lance before, right? Like every time he's post, he's been posted, a video of him has been posted of him working out with the quarterback guru or, or whatever. His release looks quicker than it does when he's in pads and at practice and stuff. Like, I, I think ultimately when you talk about Trey Lance and in particular how the 49ers view him, he's been kind of a, he's been a little bit of a roller coaster because he'll show those mechanics sometimes. And then other times they'll leave him. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been, I think part of Kyle Shanahan's frustration is that the mechanics, the consistency of the mechanics is the issue, not whether or not he can, he can shorten up his release. I think he's proven he can shorten up his release to tolerable levels, whatever those are. I'll let, I'll let like the real quarterback experts dive into right. those. But like, the fact that it it oscillates, like his footwork's really clean in one practice and it's less clean in another practice. Like, I think that's kind of the issue that Kyle Shanahan is having as much as anything else with Trey Lance is that can he trust that his fundamentals are going to be what they need to be in a game versus, you know, what he does in April or March, whenever that was that video was recorded. Like to me, the bigger thing with the video, like to your point, he's on his feet, he's throwing footballs. That's great. Um, But like, I think it's probably good that he's working out with Patrick Mahomes, right? Like it's, it's, if if anything, you at least get an understanding of what somebody at that level's process is like, right? Like what's Patrick Mahomes process? Like, like I, I, I would equate it in a similar vein to like George Kittle hosting guys, um in Nashville in the offseason like George Kittle has an elite work ethic like that's one thing the 49ers really like about him he's working really hard he's doing weights he's running routes he's catching balls he's working on his technique and blocking and all of those things like George Kittle's a football junkie and he invites everyone out and says hey guys let's all be football junkies together and let's do football right. stuff and and bond and so you know is Trey Lance going to gain a whole lot through osmosis from Patrick Mahomes I mean, who's to say maybe a little bit, yeah. I think it, it'll certainly like, it's not going to hurt. Right. Like him and if Patrick Trey Lance Mahomes, isn't Patrick Mahomes by training camp. It's a lost year. <laughs> it's a lost year. Yeah. But in terms of the video, like we've seen him shorten up his release before, like the it's, it's the fact that it's not consistent is the issue because there were, I'm sure there are plenty of other reps at this, whatever workout where, his mechanics weren't great. And that was probably, you know, that whoever pushed the video out was probably like, Oh, that's a great throw. looked like a really tight release. Let's release that one to hype up our guy. Right. Right. And so now we're all like making snap judgments like, Oh, is Trey Lance's release faster? Like, okay. Like we're going to, we're going to look at one, one video in, in a sport where like guys are going to have hundreds of pass attempts, like in a, in in game settings and like hundreds of pass attempts in training camp settings that are all going to be logged and recorded and we're like oh here's one specially edited doctored video from April with zero pads on just him working out and we're going to like try to make mass judgments on it like come on what are we doing the answer to did he quicken up his releases maybe <laughs> 
Like it's a definite possibility. But can he consistently do that on a down to down basis? Right, exactly. That's that and with pass rushers around him. And when his process has to be sped up because there's a blitz coming, it just there's there's so many factors that go into it, and it's a definite maybe. But drawing conclusions off of that video, don't. <laughs> if you if you listen to Kyle Shanahan talk about players, particularly like his the best players, one of his go to phrases is, "Oh, he's the same guy every single day." And I think a lot of that has to do with personality and approach and professionalism and work ethic. Like you want a very steady, you don't want to be riding that emo- emotional roller coaster. Like, what are we getting from this guy today? Right. But I also think a, a significant element of that is how he plays on the field. Like he's the same every day. Like we know we are getting this guy doing this at practice every single day. We're not going to have to like, we know right. when I don't know, Brandon, Ayuk say who took steps and is like becoming one of those guys. Like mm-hmm. we know Brandon, Ayuk is going to run this route the exact way we need him to run it in practice and be there right. as the third read on this play because he's Brandon, Ayuk and that's what he is. Like Again, the, the issue with Trey Lance is the inconsistency with his fundamentals. It's not, can he do it in any given rep it's can he do it permanently right and is right. are the fundamentals always going to be the same right so that's that that's the biggest question right like that's he has the talent to be a top five pick in the draft which means you potentially have the talent to be a top 10 quarterback in the nfl but it's about consistency and it's about the you know the head on your shoulders and your professionalism and your approach and all those things and one one throw on the internet is not going to define any of that for Trey Lance. That is one of my like issues with Kyle Shanahan though, is they're in a spot now where they are competing for Super Bowls. I don't know if a rookie's not going to come in and be perfect right away. I just don't know how many chances they're going to get, particularly at the skill positions. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, if 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 your requirement to get on the field is like you need to do this thing perfectly every single time, like chances are first year players, particularly ones going later in the draft, aren't probably going to be able to do that. Yeah, but they they did land Brock Purdy. <laughs> no, yeah, no doubt, and it, it's <laughs> it's they've it's worked to an extent, and they've figured it out. But I don't think it's a coincidence that they keep running into like Trey Sermon and Tyrion Davis Price and Danny Gray and Dante Pettis and like and maybe Dante Pettis is not good at football, but like I don't know. I just don't think the there's like a level of patience that I think other coaches have with talented players that Kyle Shanahan does not. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I think that's fair. I also think just in general terms, like you're not going to hit on every single draft pick. Totally. Totally agree. Like the best drafting teams in the league get like one or two starters from every and draft class. The Niners have done an outstanding job in the draft. Yeah. So I, I would say like, while some On of defense. that, yeah, well, <laughs> well, some of that does feel warranted and particularly in the case of like the cornerback position in 2021, right? It was like, you draft all these dudes, but you don't trust any of them to play early on. So you're signing Drake or Patrick and Josh Norman to play. Right. Like that when it gets to that point, it is problematic. But I do think there's an element it might be a little bit nitpicky at times to be like, well, why isn't this rookie developing? When in the grand in the grand scheme of things, if you were to take a step back and say, Okay, how are the 49ers drafting relative to every other team in the league? I think a lot of teams would love the 49ers problem to be like, well, yeah, they missed on Trey Sermon. Or, well, yeah, they maybe maybe they miss on Ambry Thomas. But, like, overall, to be able to, you know, find contributing players who are either going to start or just stay on the roster and, and, and be part of your team, be part of a high-level team and a high-level roster in rounds three, four, five, six, you know, on top of the guys that you, that you hit on in rounds one and two, who are expected to to provide that for you. Like I, I I think generally the 49ers are are as good, if not, you know, as good as any team in the league. But it is fair to point out some scenarios where it's like Kyle Shanahan should probably just let this guy go and or let him play. Like let him go out there and play and develop a little bit. But again, it's kind of a double edged sword because it's like he's a tough coach to play for, but when you when you maximize your talent or when, when he gets the most out of you, you're probably going to be a good player. So it's, it's a balance, right. In terms of how we look at Kyle Shanahan. I'm looking at all the offensive players drafted by the 49ers okay. since 2018. How many pro bowls? Cause that, that eliminates George Kittle, like home run nailed it. How many pro bowls combined? It's 21 players. Uh, drafted 49ers so you have yes. Debo with one yeah George with two uh Kittle three? notwithstanding this is since 2017 so since 2018 oh okay 
Um, so Debo. Mm-hmm. Are we feeling negatively about Brandon Ayuk? He's not. He hasn't been to a Pro Bowl yet. He hasn't been to a Pro Bowl. No, they've drafted one Pro Bowler. Yeah, Debo. So you have these are these are so there's uh their approximate value metric that Pro Football Reference does, and it's not perfect, but let's just go off of it. Debo Samuel, the highest rated offensive player since 2018 with a 33 weighted AV. Mike McGlinchey, number two, number three, Brandon Ayuk. Number four, Richie James. <laughs> I love the hesitation. And he picked up, and he picked up that AV last year with the Giants. But like Elijah Mitchell, his is low because he's been hurt. Aaron Banks and Spencer Burford, just to the 49ers credit here. Aaron Banks and Spencer Burford, both starters last year on a team that went to the NFC Championship game. Juwan Jennings as a seventh round pick is like a home run type of seventh round pick. Brock Purdy has only played one year. Um, Trey Lance has not gotten a shot to play yet. Colton McKivitz is probably going to be their starting right tackle this year. So it hasn't been all bad. No. But there's been some pretty big whiffs in there. Yeah, you're Jalen Hurds. Yeah, Jalen Hurd. Your Davis Price, Sermon. Dante Pettis. Caden Smith. Anyways, Caden Smith's been pretty good for for the Giants, right? No, the the Niners, the Niners. I, I'm I'm mostly tongue in cheek. The Niners have done a really good job of building through the draft, and that's why they've been able to survive all their quarterback turmoil. Yeah, and no coach is perfect. Patriots fans no. complain about Bill Belichick religiously. He stinks at drafting, dude. He does. He's not good. Does not do that good of a job. He does, but you you know you'd probably you'd probably be cool with six championships in the last twenty years. Would you though? If your team's not good at drafting. <laughs> uh, all right. Another thing I want to run by you uh, that that uh, we can dive into real quick. The 49ers, according to the Caesar Sportsbook, lead the NFL in implied probability to make the playoffs. So what that means is they basically take away because the odds on the Niners to make the playoffs are always weighted a little bit, probably more than they should be because the Niners are a favorite of the public to bet sure so like more money comes in on the Niners so the books have to weigh them down with odds so the Niners if you remove all of the like betting odds Mm -hmm. the Niners have the best probability to make the playoffs out of every team and that is with Sam Darnold is the only healthy quarterback on their roster well, the good news for the Niners, Kyle, is that they don't play games until September. Is that good news? <laughs> well, yeah, unless you're just dying for 49er football right now. In which case, it's not great news. Always. Always. But, um, I mean, it, so that that sort of speaks to, I mean, it speaks to a couple of things. It speaks to what we're talking about here with Kyle Shanahan and just the 49ers' of ability to develop talent. And also like attract talent, like the 49ers have done a good job of drafting players, but also going to get players, you know, like going to get Javon Hargrave, going to get Trent Williams, going to get Richard Sherman, um, you know, free agency, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, the Albatross fullback. Um, But it also speaks to the NFC West probably not being great. Cardinals have a first year head coach. The Rams are coming off their worst season in a long time and traded Jalen Ramsey and 
maybe they'll be competitive, but it's hard to look at that roster and the fact that they have like zero resources and feel great. Yeah. And they didn't even get a whole lot for Jalen Ramsey. I guess they got a little bit of cap relief. <laughs> what? But that, that trade just, that was an odd trade anyway. Um, but I do think the implied probability thing is about the NFC being down overall, the NFC West probably being down and the 49ers roster being pretty loaded, particularly given like they had the best defense in football and they added potentially the best defensive tackle free agent, free agent they could have. And, you know, Javon Hargrave might be a better pass rusher than DeForest Buckner. And when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl in 2019, it was basically on the strength of their pass rush. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge part of it. Um, And, you know, they have the defensive player of the year. They have arguably the best middle linebacker in football. So they're a team without a whole lot of weaknesses presuming they get average to above average quarterback play. Yeah, that's what that was the the takeaway for me is because when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, they must be assuming Brock Purdy is healthy. But then it's like not necessarily because Trey Lance, they were ready to just compete for a for a title while letting him develop. And I think they could still do that this year. And then Sam Darnold played maybe the best football of his career to end last year. And the thought is, okay, put him with Kyle Shanahan. He's going to be more productive than he's ever been. And part of that is Shanahan, but part of that, they're just, their roster is unbelievable. And like I joke about, you know, the whole drafting thing, but the fact that they've built a roster that is basically like quarterback free, like, plug a generic quarterback in and they're going to make the playoffs. That's nuts. In 2023, that's crazy. Yeah. Teams just don't get built like like every team, the every team, the Niners traded three first round picks to move up and try and draft a franchise quarterback. And they it hasn't worked out so far, yet they've gone to two NFC title games. Like, well, I, man, think about it too. In the last two, job. In, in the last two to three years in the NFC, you've had Russell Wilson go from the NFC to AFC. You've had Drew Brees retire. You've had Tom Brady retire, and now you're looking at Aaron Rodgers going from the NFC to the AFC. Like the quarterback conversation in each conference, like there's a drastic difference. And I guess you've had like Jalen Hurts sort of ascend right to to maybe one of the best quarterbacks in the nfc Mm -hmm. but for the most part you go if you make any top 10 list of of quarterbacks in the nfl are like eight of them in the afc at least the top 10 uh yeah because even it's mahomes allen burrow herbert mar jackson herbert are we putting Trevor Lawrence in there right now? I mean, he, he might be in the conversation at the end of this upcoming season. Well, let's let's ra- just rank the NFC quarterbacks. Is Jalen Hurts one? <laughs> just oh, right, like yeah, we're that we'll just do that. Okay, like like we're probably oh, talking about Kirk Cousins and uh, Dak? Dak Prescott as the set. Like in, we're we're battling it out. Those two are battling it out for this number two spot in the NFC quarterback hierarchy. If Brock Purdy, 
let's say he starts week one. And Brock Purdy is just the player he was last year for 17 games. I did the math today. I did this on Niners Wire. He's looking at 3,700 yards, 37 touchdowns, and eight interceptions on a team that's probably winning like 13 games and going to the playoffs. Say there those would, numbers that, again. 3,700 yards, how many touchdowns? 37. Would be a 49ers franchise record, by the way. Wow, that would have been second in the second NFL. Second in the league behind Mahomes. Yeah. And eight interceptions. A league-high touchdown rate, by the way. And an interception rate under 2%. Like, if Brock Purdy, I don't, again, not saying he will or won't. This is just, if he just does that over 17 games, we're talking like, hey, Brock Purdy is probably the best or second best quarterback in the NFC. Yes. Based on that, yes. I would say. Not, that 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 is not necessarily to say that Brock Purdy is awesome or he's not. Again, that's right. just where the. NFC is quarterback wise. Right. And I would also say we had that same conversation about Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017. Like you expand these numbers out. Right. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL. It's like, okay, well, let's see. (laughs) Um, So I'm looking at the numbers, the leaders in, in passing yards from last season. Mahomes, Herbert, Brady, Cousins, Burrow. You know, six in the NFL in passing yards last year. It's an NFC quarterback. Six in the NFL. Was it Dak? Jared Goff. Oh, no, he, I was going to say Dak missed a bunch of games. Jared Goff had 4,400 passing yards. 29 sure. touchdowns, seven picks. Man, Jared Goff won the 49ers a Super Bowl? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, Josh Allen, Geno Smith, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts. That's the top 10. But still, even like yardage isn't isn't the best way to do this. But if if you were going to make a list of like the top 10 quarterbacks you would want, if we're doing a draft and you could draft any quarterback in the NFL, I would say eight of those, eight or nine of those picks would be AFC quarterbacks. Yeah. And that definitely helps that the Niners aren't, you know, in the AFC West with Mahomes and Herbert and whatever Russell Wilson is at this point. Yeah. And Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I don't, I think it's a testament to that, but I, I just, I really think that the roster they've built, like the, the, the 30,000 foot view or the outside view of the 49ers is their quarterback is Mr. Irrelevant. And the Trey Lance trade was bad and they just don't have quarterback figured out. And I think it's kind of the, the opposite. Like Shanahan's been saying since he arrived in 2017, he's been saying there's like five to seven elite QBs on the planet. And you're always trying to find one. And it feels like he's kind of punted that idea and instead been like, all right, we're going to build a roster where you don't need one of those guys. Where the Kirk Cousins of the world can come in and win. And I don't know if that's going to work in terms of bringing a Super Bowl back. But I mean, it's hard to argue with right now, right? Yeah. I, I mean, look, there. It if you go back through <laughs> recent history and Super Bowl winners... Like there are a handful of teams that have won Super Bowls without 
megastar Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You know, Joe Flacco won one, right? Uh-huh. Um, Nick Foles won one. So it is possible, but I, I think what Shanahan and the 49ers have done a good job of is just say, okay, we're going to build out this roster. We're going to have a really good defense. We're going to have a really good running game. We're going to have a good offensive scheme. If and when we ever do get elite quarterback play, we have a hell of a chance to win. Yeah. It, because, like, you know, if you took – like, it doesn't feel like the Chiefs would have any shot if you gave them a replacement-level quarterback instead of Patrick Mahomes. I totally agree. So – the 49ers just inherently their floor is as high as any team in the league. And if somehow they can manufacture quarterback play and maybe, you know, either luck into, I would safe to say it's, they sort of lucked into Brock Purdy. Right. And that's not a knock. Like they still drafted him, but like they drafted him to be on the practice squad. <laughs> right. They more or less lucked into Brock Purdy. If you, if you get a little bit lucky, then you can then you can win a championship. And you know, like mm-hmm. it's really hard to do that. It's really hard yeah, to win can a you Super stay Bowl. Healthy? Yeah. It's really hard to win Super Bowls. So you know, I I fully understand the you know, it's not a success unless you win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But if you just look at like having chances to win a Super Bowl, the fact that the 49ers made the Trey Lance trade and went to the NFC championship game in each of the two years since making that trade while the Lance trade just hasn't worked, it hasn't worked out is kind of mind boggling. If you, if you told me the day after they made the trade, Hey, um, this is how Trey Lance's first two years are going to go. It would have been like disaster. They're going to like, get, okay. Like, they're, Kyle they're, Shanahan's going to get fired. Right. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch might get fired over this. They, you know, they, they're going to be back to square one in 2015. But no, it's like they've been able, the roster has been good enough that they've been able to withstand all of that. And so I get like people talk about, oh, the Trey Lance thing is like so far, like the biggest, the biggest mistake in, in team history. And like, all right, sure. Like in a vacuum, it might be, but also they've gone to the NFC championship game and are still considered one of the best teams in the NFL, despite that happening. Kind of wild. So, and who knows? Maybe it works out. I mean, that's my thing too. Is like, I understand where you know Mike Silver is coming from, and anybody saying like this is absolutely Brock Purdy's team, and you know maybe at some point they move on from Trey Lance. Maybe they will. But if recent history is any indication, there's as good a chance that Trey Lance ends up playing quarterback for the 49ers. And if he does, like any quarterback that has played for a significant stretch under Kyle Shanahan in the last few years has come in and played pretty well. Right. So we don't have enough evidence on Trey Lance to assume he couldn't be that guy. Right. And I think that's kind of what Kyle Shanahan thought going into last season was like, well, you know, maybe his practice habits are or not his habits, but his, his fundamentals are a little bit sporadic and, but we need him to clean all those things up. But like generally anybody who's played a significant stretch for us and gotten, has gotten the snaps, we figured it out and put together a pretty good offense, regardless of who the quarterback's been. Right. But why couldn't we do that with a guy who was talented enough to be a top five pick in the draft? Right. So, 
yeah, I mean, it's it is pretty That's, wild that they've been as successful as they had despite so far the biggest trade by definition in franchise history just not working out at all at the yeah. game's most important position. Like Man. that is wild to think about. Biggest trade in team history fell flat on its face so far. And I say this so far because I personally still believe in Trey Lance's ceiling. I, do too. I just don't know if he'll get a chance to reach it with the 49ers. Uh, real quick, before we get out of here, I went through and you went uh, through the passing yard, right, to find mm-hmm. NFC guys. I readjusted it to quarterback rating because okay. everybody knows the passer rating is the end-all, be-all stat. How many NFC quarterbacks finished in the top 10 in passer rating last year? Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Just give me a number. I don't. How I don't many NFC players. guys? Three. Yeah. No. Five. Coming in at number three, Jimmy Garoppolo at one hundred three point zero. <laughs> These are among qualifiers. Right. I don't know how many pass attempts that is. I think it's three hundred. Number four, Jalen Hurts, one on one and a half. Geno Smith, one hundred point nine at number five. Number seven, Jared Goff at ninety nine point three. Number nine. The Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, <laughs> tied with Trevor Lawrence at 95.2. Right. Which is, I think, the the point here is that if you were to pick players based on quarterback rating, you'd probably be a horrendous GM. If we're doing the exercise where we're just <laughs> drafting quarterbacks. I love that idea. Just have me in the war room. <laughs> like, let me get to PFF grades. Just pounding hey. the table. <laughs> Andy Look- Dalton was a lime green against... <laughs> Against the Bucks in the draft room. In the draft room, I'm like, this guy is like borderline midnight blue. <laughs> A little cerulean for sure, but bordering on midnight blue. We need this guy. I'd be a great draft. I don't know why. Like, I can't really explain why I love that bit so much. Like, PFF does a great job. I just love the fa- like. It's just so funny to me that their <laughs> grades come with colors. Yeah, like just in case, just in case you the number wasn't enough. Right. No, but it's it's visual because it's like it's a good way to sort of break up like from a visual design perspective. Like you look at PFF, it's all charts and numbers and stuff. Mm-hmm. To have the colors is a nice way to break it up. It's, it's not it's not a knock on the colors. It's it's a way to make these charts of numbers more visually appealing. It just cracks me up to be to like talk about them in numbers or in color terms of colors i wish i wish that when people rated this podcast they could do so in colors right instead of stars like four or five stars yeah Yeah. it would be yeah it would be blue green yellow orange red there's some people that are like navy blue love this pod and there's (laughs) other people that are like that are like old 49ers jersey red mid 2000s niners jersey red right brash (laughs) terrible podcast Complete trash. Four stars, like a solid four is green. Yeah. 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 Four four <laughs> four stars is like who am I looking for here? Hmm. Like Jimmy Ward. <laughs> Just like a like a solid green. <laughs> solid green. <laughs> Three stars, more of a Kelly green. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do offensive and defensive draft prospects we like. I kind of like the idea leading up to the draft of doing like, these are the guys we think the 49ers could trade up for in round two. Yeah, no, that's it. That's another fun one. We are, uh, 
just I, I'm in fact, you know what? I'm writing that down. Um, I found if you want to say this is a tease, we can. Mm-hmm. But I have found the official draft prospect of Candlestick Chronicles. Oh, have you? Yeah. Okay, that's that's spider, a good tease. Spider Graph goes brazy. <laughs> um, Warriors Kings first first thoughts. Hey, all right, let's just keep producing on the fly. Uh, Sam, <laughs> we Sam, said you, you said early in the intro that we talk about it. Yeah, no, I know, but so do you, we can talk about it now or Sam Fondiari from the Lightyear's pod of Sam and Andy fame, uh, reached out mid pod and asked if we wanted to do a crossover pod. Yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. Okay. Thursday. Does Thursday at 8 PM work for you? <laughs> Tentatively. We can talk about it. We can talk about it. We can talk about it. <laughs> uh, I, I, the most interesting thing about Warriors Kings to me is that the Warriors to win the series are minus 265. Yeah. And the Kings are plus 225. That is crazy to me. So it speaks to the fact that I think the odds makers believe the Warriors are their experience is going to shine through, which I I tend to agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, the Warriors are also a very public team going against probably one of the least public teams in the league, or maybe even the least public right. team, at least in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah. Potentially. Um, yeah, I just... I, if we've learned anything, I think from the NBA, the last few years, it's that the regular season has meant less and less. And there was even a stretch from February to March last year, that the Warriors lost 16 of 23 mm-hmm. and just didn't look like a very good basketball team. You and I talked about it in the group chat. The Warriors are very much a team that, and that flip the switch is, is probably not the right way to say it. But, like, they know when it counts. And given the runs that they've been on as context, they just don't care about the regular season hardly at all, it seems like. Yeah, and that, that, that I think, has been true. But this year, it just felt like there was a bigger problem than them just going, eh, none of this matters. They won 11 road games. Yeah. No, I and know. They tricked, and they tricked a couple of games late in the year that I would have thought, hey, this is the time, like they need this one. And then they ended up not getting yeah. it. And that was, that was a little bit worrisome, but I what's mean... so, so from that, pers- from that standpoint too, like one of the more interesting things to me about the series is that, okay, say the Warriors didn't care about the regular season hardly at all. They've been to the, they've been to the finals a bunch of times. They've won four titles, like the regular season feels whatever to them. This was an extremely important regular season for the Kings and like in complete contrast in terms of the effort they played with throughout most of the season to the Warriors, given how important winning each game was to them. You mm-hmm. know, Demonis Sabonis hardly took any time off like they, the Kings didn't do really any load management stuff. The, the, the only time they rested guys was when they were actually dealing with injuries. There wasn't like, oh, second night of a back to back. We're just going to rest our stars. Um, the Kings are decidedly the younger team um, and just an inexperienced team. And, and one of the things that I'll keep going back to, like from a King's perspective, and I wrote about this at the time, like talking to Giannis Antetokounmpo after the game, when the Bucks came here a few weeks ago and just really just took it to the Kings. I asked Giannis what 
the Kings need to do to like get to that next level of like, all right, they're a fun regular season team, but what can they do to get ready? And he's just like, they need experience. Right. They need to go win a road playoff game. They need to play a game seven. They need to. And so in that sense, I look at this King season in the same way. I think warriors were probably looking at their 2013 season. Mm-hmm. We're like, all right, it's our first taste of the playoffs. We're going to go see what works in the playoffs, what doesn't. We're going to go see what adjustments need to be made to the roster. Uh, We're going to see what adjustments we need to make just together as a team in this growth process. And then in 2013 and 2014, the Warriors basically used those experiences in the playoffs to learn from and then go on a bunch of finals runs and win some championships. So from that standpoint, like, the physicality it takes to play in the playoffs, the Kings don't have right now. The defense that it takes to win in the playoffs, the Kings don't have. And they haven't proven it all season that they can just win a game defensively. The way they've won most of the year in their biggest games is like, all right, can they play good enough defense and remain the best offense in the league, which they were? Mm-hmm. So I just don't know that the Kings have that gear, particularly against a team as experienced as the Warriors. And the fact that the Warriors are going to have Andrew Wiggins, I think, you know, like, I don't know what Wiggins is going to look like, but there's no, you know, I I don't, I don't see any real, like, like, I don't see the, the Warriors lack of size being an issue with Wiggins because it's not like the Kings are going to overpower you with physicality. Like, yeah, they have Demonis Sabonis. I think Kevon Looney can, hang with him from a rebounding perspective, but I also just don't think the Kings play with enough physicality to really like torture the Warriors when they go with their smaller lineups and have three guards on the floor at once. Right. Three guards and Clay Thompson, who's I guess more of a wing now. What you're telling me is the Kings are Trey Lance and the Warriors are Brock Purdy. <laughs> where their experience is just gonna kind of take over. Yeah, I just yeah, I think that I think we're going to come out of this series yeah. and be like, oh, yeah, the regular season wasn't the end all be all. Like, I know a lot of Kings observers yeah. are like, check out these numbers and what the Kings did against the Warriors this season and Demonis and De'Aaron's stats against the Warriors. It's like, OK, cool. The Kings also like if we want to do like if we want to cherry pick from the regular season, we could say the Kings lost to the Spurs. Yeah. And, no, and no. the Hornets at home. So like, I, I, you know, cherry picking stats from small samples in the regular season to me is not the way to analyze the series. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see because refs typically swallow their whistles a little more in the playoffs, and that's something the war the Kings have not handled well this year. Is hey the not getting the whistle they want, and it just kind of snowballs from there. That's two fan two fan bases that enjoy complaining about officiating. Yes, can't wait. Which can't wait every... for the arguments over who gets less foul calls: Steph Curry or Demonis Sabonis. <laughs> TBD. I would say Can't that wait to find out there's zero NBA teams in the NBA, zero for 30 who are like, man, love the officiating. Right. Great job. Yeah. I enjoyed King's Twitter complaining about the officiating while also complaining about Luka Doncic complaining about the officiating. <laughs> <laughs> Luke is my least favorite player to watch in the league. I I totally understand, but it's, uh, you know, you, how, how much can you, can you credibly complain about the officiating while also complain about a player complaining about the same thing you're complaining about? What a tangled web. <laughs> anyway, 
Let's get out of here. We're done. Enough ranting on basketball. Apparently, there's a crossover pod with light years coming up. We can talk Niners and Warriors and all kinds of fun. Sweet. I'm into it. We talk gays. Super hyped to talk some A's baseball. Yeah. They they gave up 11 runs. In consecutive games. They lost 11 nothing two games in a row. Well, do you know I how mean, hard that is to do? Considering they're not interested in winning baseball games at all, they're right on course. They're crushing it. They're doing exactly what they want to do. They so. won an opening night with a two-run bottom of the eighth, and then they had a walk-off win a couple days later. Yeah. Opening Another. night might be the highlight of the season. Brutal. Yeah. Can't wait for Vegas. But, dude, totally. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, who stuck around for all this. We'll, uh, we'll be back later in the week. And we'll have some NFL draft content for you as the NFL draft draws closer. We're 17 days away. 16 once you're listening. If you're listening to it. Subscribe, rate, review. Yeah, do it all. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com